Uh, we're going to do I'll start a series on spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. There is a real battle that take that is taking place around us every day, and it is it is very real. It's something we want to be aware of. It's something the Bible has a lot to say about it. And so I don't know how many weeks we're going to take this. There's a lot of stuff that I want to cover, but I, I want to spend as much time on this as we really need to. And I want us to read though in uh, Ephesians chapter six, verse ten. We'll probably refer to this passage of scripture several times throughout these messages. But there's really one verse I want to I want to focus on for a little bit, and then we're going to kind of uh, look into something else here. But we're going to start reading in verse ten of Ephesians chapter six. It says, "Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might." Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And then this is the verse I want us to focus on. And it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And then it goes on and talks about taking the armor of God. And we'll spend some time in the future talking about things that we can do to prepare ourselves and to uh, kind of give some ammo that we can get, some protection that we can get when fighting in this battle. But the part I want us to notice in here is where it says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But we're, what we're fighting against, what we are wrestling against, is something that's spiritual. We're wrestling against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There are, I mean, there. I don't know how it all works exactly, but I believe Satan, he's got an army. I believe it's a very well organized army. I don't know how it works exactly, but I know in heaven, you know, there's angels, there's archangels. I mean, there's kind of a, you know, different levels of command there in heaven in the spiritual world, and I imagine the same thing is going on uh, on the demonic side of things, on the on the evil side of things. And the Bible says this is what we're wrestling against. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. But at the same time, let me ask you, what is most fighting, or what is it that we wrestle with most of the time in churches today? And not even just in church, but in life. Well, we're usually wrestling against flesh and blood, aren't we? I mean, have you ever thought about that in church? I mean, we know that there, we, we all believe that there is spiritual warfare. We believe there's angels. We believe there's demons. We believe all those things. We believe they have an influence on things. We believe they influence the sin. They put thoughts in our minds. I mean, there, we, we know they do all these things. Yet at the same time, we love to fight against flesh and blood, don't we? You know, if Satan puts it in somebody's heart in the church, you know, he puts it in brother so-and-so's heart to offend you. Have you ever noticed how it's just amazing how people, they can just know the worst possible thing to say at the worst possible time? How do they know that? Well, I don't think they did know that. I think there was some devilish influence that was involved there. But brother so-and-so comes along and he says that to you. And who do you want to punch in the nose? You want to punch the flesh and blood in the nose, don't you? You get mad at the individual. You get mad at that, at that person. 
And you get bitter at that person. Most of the fighting that's going on in churches today, we don't think we're wrestling against Satan. We think we're wrestling against other Christians. I mean, because think about it. You know, we don't, we don't, people don't, won't admit that it's the devil that they're fighting because we all know, well, to beat the devil, all we have to do is, you know, draw an eye to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Well, that's pretty easy when you stop and think about it. You know, Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. You know, Satan can't handle Scripture. We know all those things. The truth is, I mean, we understand enough about the Bible. There's no excuse at all for the devil to get victory over us. But at the same time, if it's Brother Lonnie getting victory over me, well, you know, what am I supposed to do about that? You know, they, we should just vote him. You know, the church should vote him out. You know, he shouldn't even be here. And we, we always blame people. And it's like we have no solution for dealing with people. Well, the only way our church is going to get any better is if Sister Susie, you know, straightens her life out. And if she gets her act together, or if this person would just leave the church and get out of here, everything would be better. And we get all focused on flesh and blood. And let me tell you right now that that's ex- exactly what Satan wants. He wants you to ignore the spiritual aspect of things and just get you focusing on the flesh and blood. And I, I, I believe in Sunday school I was talking about it. I think I talked a little bit about it last week. You know, last week we were talking about you know zombies and things, and we actually saw a zombie today. Uh, we told the kid you, you should have seen Allie, but we we saw this guy walking down the street, and I don't know what he was on, but he was on something. And he just, I mean, he was walking all creepy like a zombie. He's twitching and stuff. And, I mean, we told, we told Alex, he's like, he's like, look, there's a zombie, that's a zombie over there. And she, and she thought it was because it looked like one. And, uh, but, you know, at the same time, that in, well, that, there's people out there, there's doctors and stuff and, uh, that they focus purely on the physical. And they can tell you physically what's wrong with that person. There's some doctors that they know enough about the physical and they know enough about the drugs and things that people use. They could probably look at him and tell you exactly what he's on. They can tell you what his physical problems are. Yet, it's not just a physical problem. You and I know there's a spiritual problem there too. Those things do go hand in hand. And we can get ourselves in trouble when we focus completely on the flesh and blood and the physical and we ignore the spiritual and I believe that that's why we have that's why there's so much trouble and turmoil in churches today is they're focusing on flesh and blood they're fo- they're trying they're focused on that hunk of flesh that they're wanting to fight with that face that they just can't stand that nose that they just want to hit you know, that face that they just want to tell off. They're focused on that flesh and blood. But we've got to recognize that the real enemy is its a spiritual enemy. That it is the devil. There's a real spiritual battle that's taking place around us. And the flesh and blood is a distraction, I believe, to us. We get distracted by those things. And we miss what it is that God is really wanting us to see. We're, mi- we're missing it. Kind of like what we talked about this morning in church. How you know, it wasn't what the... When Jesus came in that triumphal entry, it wasn't what a lot of the Jewish people were expecting to happen when the Messiah did come through that gate. It wasn't what they were expecting. And 
Many times we don't, we're not looking for the right thing and we're missing what we're supposed to see. And it should be our prayer for God to open our eyes. And I want you to go to Mark chapter 8 and verse 22. Mark chapter 8 and verse 22. We're going to look at a very interesting story here where Jesus performs, tries to perform a miracle and it doesn't really work. It doesn't, he had, Jesus had to try twice. You know, you never see Jesus trying anything twice. Usually one time is all it took. But look at this story. It says, And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. Now, what what that means exactly, I don't know. But he wasn't he wasn't seeing right. He saw something, but what he was seeing wasn't what he was supposed to be seeing. Or he wasn't seeing things right. And it says in verse twenty five. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. Here we see. Jesus, where he had to try two times to heal somebody. And notice, in this case, this was trying to restore sight to somebody. And it took two tries. The first time, it didn't quite get him there. He saw something. He was seeing a little more than he was seeing before. But he didn't get him there all the way. The second time, he's able to see. Why was that? Well, we'll get to that in a little bit. But the first thing I want us to notice is that our prayer, what I want your prayer to be when it comes to the things that are spiritual, what my prayer is for myself is for God to just open our eyes. I want to see things for how they really are. I want to see what's really there. I want to know what's really going on. I don't want to get distracted by the wrong thing. It's very important that, we're, that we stay focused, that we, you know, we keep our eyes on Christ, that we keep our eyes on the gold. And really, in the Bible, I think we can see different levels, I guess you can call it, of eyesight that God gives. And for the first type of eyesight is one that we all have, and that's the, the regular eyesight, the ability to see the physical. Okay, you all in here, uh, you, can, you can see what's going on. You can recognize colors, shapes, movements. We can look at each other. We can recognize each other. Okay, some of it might not be that good. I have to wear contacts to help out with my physical vision. But you know, even without them, I can still pre- see pretty good. I'd be able to recognize any of you. I can get to where I need to go. I can see shapes, colors, movement. I can see all those things. That's one level of eyesight. But then, there's another level too, and not everybody has this one. But it's something we ought to ask God to open our eyes to this. If I was physically blind, I would want to see it. I thank God I have the ability to see. I can't imagine not having the sense of sight. That would be very difficult. But at the same time, uh, another level of eyesight, I guess you would call it, is the ability to see the natural. What I mean by that really is just common sense. Common sense. The ability to recognize good and evil. Back when, before Adam and Eve ate the fruit, the Bible says that they were naked and were not ashamed. They had no knowledge of good and evil. They had no knowledge of sin, therefore 
they didn't they didn't see a problem. Okay, you know, we've got Lana back there. There she she's a little baby. Now she has physical sight; she can see, but that's all she's got right now. She doesn't have common sense yet. She doesn't understand good and evil yet. She cannot be held accountable for her actions yet. She's already a little booger, but you know she's not going to get in trouble for it. I'm not going to disown her for those things because she doesn't understand right and wrong yet. All she understands is hungry and <laughs> or uncomfortable. And 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 what what do you what do they do? They scream. That's all they know. Okay, but one of these days as she gets older. Hopefully she's going to start recognizing good and evil. Recognizing things that are good and things that are bad. And we'll avoid those things. After Adam ate that fruit, their eyes were, the Bible says, their eyes were opened. It says that in chapter 3, verse 5 through 7. It mentions that. It says, and their eyes were opened. They saw something that they weren't able to see before. They were looking at the exact same thing, but they saw something brand new. For example, we ought to be able to look at what the world is doing today and see that this is not working. This is not bringing happiness. This is not bringing joy. We ought to be able to look at that and see that. We're looking at the same thing everybody else is looking at. When we see what's going on in Congress today, you know, we're looking at the same president. We can be watching the same news clips, but people can see different things sometimes. And we ought to ask God to open our eyes and help us to be able to have common sense to see what's right and wrong, to see good and evil. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 13. I'm going to read a verse there to you. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 13. If I can find it. It says, Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Open thine eyes... And thou shalt be satisfied with bread. Notice that, and, and we can, there's a zillion examples we can use in Proverbs on this. But I use this one because it, it makes that phrase, open, it says, open thine eyes. But it says, love not sleep. Okay, if you're lazy, it's going to come back to haunt you. You're going to come to poverty. If you're too lazy to get up for, to work in the morning, then, you know, there are some people that literally, they've got physical eyesight. But they do not understand the effects that their actions are going to have on their life. They will go and look. They, they, can, they can see just like you and I can. They can read the labels on those packs of cigarettes about the warnings and things it might cause. But they don't see the problem. They, they do it anyway. They can read. They can read all the. They can read all that stuff. They can see what alcohol is doing to people. They've heard the news reports about the drunk driving accidents. They've seen those things. They've seen what's happened to people when they get drunk, and they've they've even experienced themselves what happens when under the influence of alcohol. But they don't see a problem. There's people out there. They're they're lazy. They won't get up in the morning, and they won't they won't go out and get a job. They won't work. And they wonder why they're struggling financially. They just have no common sense. No ability to look at things and not even understand the laws of sowing and reaping. The Bible says, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And some people, they cannot see that. They cannot see the effects that their actions are having on their own lives. They can't see the, the effects 
that their actions are having on their children's life. They're completely blind to it. It, it, you know, to you and I, it should be so clear. Can't they see what this is doing? Can't they see that this is destroying their marriage? Can't they see this is destroying their kids? I mean, drug addicts, we look at them and think, can't they see what that's doing to them? What it's doing to their behavior? What it's doing to their body? I mean, have you ever seen somebody that's anorexic? And what, what do people always Can't they see themselves? Can't they look in the mirror and see what is happening to their body? And the truth is, no, they can't. They're not blind. They can see. They might have 20-20 vision. But they do not have that second level of eyesight where they can see the natural, or in other words, have common sense. Lot did not have that ability. If you read in Genesis chapter 13, verse 10, Abraham said, which way? Are you going to go? You choose. And Lot, he looked towards the plains of Sodom and he saw how beautiful it was. He saw how well watered it was. He saw all the physical things about it, but he didn't see the potential problems that could come from the wickedness that was in that city. Just a few verses later, it talks about how wicked the men of Sodom were. But Lot didn't see that. He missed that part, and then he wondered why when the Lord or when the angels came and told him that God's going to destroy the city, his daughters that were married didn't want to leave. He failed he failed to see that. That he, he when they, even when they were getting drugged out of the city, his wife turned and looked back and turned to the pillar of salt, even though they told them not to look back. Lot, he didn't look ahead. He didn't have common sense. If he would have had some wisdom, he'd have said, You know what? I'm not going there. I'm not going to that place. You know, I I can't live among those people. That would have been a wise thing to do. But he didn't do it. He didn't have that second level. He didn't have that common sense. So then the third level. And so our our, then that need, our prayer, Lord, open my eyes. Okay? We've all got sight. That's that's answered. Okay, you can pray the Lord help you keep your eyesight. You don't get your eyes poked out or your eyes don't go bad or anything like that. But ask the Lord will help you to see common sense. Lord, show me, help me to see what my actions are going to bring about. Help me to have common sense. Help me to see these things. But then also, uh, the third level is that ability to see the unseen. Hebrews chapter 11 Verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, for by it the elders obtained a good report. You know, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, that the things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. That third level really is just faith. Faith. You know, that, how do we know? That those world that God created the world. Well, you and I, we weren't here to see this universe spoken into existence, but we have faith that it happened. And yet, at the same time, it's not just a blind faith. We can see it too, can't we? I mean, it's just it's real easy to just look at this planet that we live on, to look at the moon and the stars in the sky, and to me, it's it's all over the place. I mean, you know, and just, you know, the animals and just the perfection of this, of this universe and the way it's all, I, I, to me, it's crystal clear. Okay, but yet, that it, there's faith too. Faith, it's not just this blind thing. Well, I'm just going to believe it because I'm supposed to. 
No, it, it makes sense. Okay, I, I've never seen Jesus. I believe in Him by faith, but yet there's been plenty of evidence. So the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I've seen the Holy Spirit do enough work. Okay, I didn't see the Holy Spirit. You can't see the Holy Spirit, but I've seen the evidence of the Holy Spirit. I've seen the work of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I believe it. Prayer, like we're talking about in Sunday school. You know, we don't see physically see the work that God's doing, but you can see the work that God does through faith. We see all those things, and we know we know what's going to happen. We know that there's something going on. There's been times when I said I didn't see a guardian angel, but I believe for sure that th- there was evidence that there was some divine intervention that took place there. You can see it. We see these things by faith. When I got saved, I didn't see anything change in my heart. I didn't physically see anything. But yet, I can see that I'm saved. You know, what, you see what I'm saying there? There's things that we don't physically see them, but by faith, we do see them. We see the evidence. We, we see it, and this is through faith. And we live in a world today that does not want to accept anything by faith. But, and, and that's sad because that's the only way you're going to be saved. We're saved by grace through faith. You know, we believe by faith. And we see here, and there in Hebrews 11, you know, by faith, by faith, by faith. These people, they believed in something that they couldn't physically see, but yet there was evidence for what they were seeing. But it did take faith. And thank God, all those people there in Hebrews 11, they had that third level. And, and faith, that, that ability to recognize the truths of the Word of God. The very middle of the Bible. Psalm 119, verse 18. It is better to trust the middle, two middle words in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. The ability to just trust the Word of God. Okay, we, we believe it by faith. But yet, we constantly see evidence that it works. Okay, for example, we see in the Bible tithing. Now, math does not, will not ever prove that tithing will make you better off financially, but yet we see over and over again, the evidence says you will be better off. It's proven over and over again, but we, we believe it by faith. We see it by faith. There's sometimes there's things that physically what we see doesn't match that maybe doesn't even match up with what we see by faith. But we we recognize that we see through that 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 third level it takes faith the ability to recognize the truths of God to just believe it by faith. And I said, yeah, I I can see how that works. Well, you physically don't see anything, but by faith you are seeing something, and, and you're convinced. I'm convinced that you all are here tonight because I can physically I can physically see you. And I'm convinced that the word of God is true tonight because I can by faith see that it's true. I've seen plenty of plenty of evidence that the word of God is true, but it takes it takes faith. That's a third level and some people they don't have it. But people who have this level, they have a good understanding of the Word of God. And there's some people, listen, and I'm not down on these people at all, 
Maybe they're a newer Christian. But you know, there's some people when they get saved, they'll come into a church and they immediately will conform to everything everybody in the church is doing and everything that's being preached. But they don't understand why. And that's fine. They're a new Christian. They're a newborn babe in Christ. But if they don't ever get to that point where they see it and understand it for themselves, then eventually they're going to get away from it. Eventually they'll be out of church. They'll get rid of all those changes in their lives. But a person who gets to that third level, they're going to see it for themselves. You know, there were there was a time. You know, I grew up in a pastor's home, and I was just a kid. And there was a lot of things that we did, things that we were taught that I didn't understand. I just did them because I had to. That was pretty much it. But I'm thankful that I finally got to the point where, hey, I can see that now. I okay, I get that. That make that makes sense. I I understand that. And there's some and sometimes too, people who don't have any faith, boy. I mean, you can talk yourself blue in the face trying to explain some of these things to them. But if they don't have faith, you're not. It's not going to do any good. It would be like trying to explain color to somebody who's never seen in their life. Can you imagine? I mean, really, how would you explain color to a blind person, somebody who's never seen in their life? That would be really hard. And try explaining faith, or uh, many of the things of God, to somebody who has no faith, you can't do it. It's impossible. And we need to pray and ask God to open our eyes to faith. We've got to take those necessary steps of faith. Sometimes that's how we see things. You know, if you don't, if you don't take that step of faith, then how are you ever are you, are you ever going to see it? If you don't try, if you don't trust the word, you understand that in order for the Bible to prove itself true in your life, you have to follow it. Well, to follow it, you're going to have to take a step of faith. And once you do that, you'll see it. But many people, they, they never do. And because they don't have faith. And the truth is, if you have faith, you will take that step. Well, I want to see it first. It doesn't work that way. You have, you have to take that step of faith. And the Lord will show it to you. So, uh, that that third level. And then, there's the fourth one. Now, the fourth one, this is one, I'm just going to be honest with you, you might not ever get this one. It might not ever happen. Uh, I've never had it. I, I, hope I, I hope I do. I hope I will someday. But that's that actual ability to see the spirit world. To actually see that. Now, this is a special, unique situation where God allows man to see what's taking place. We see an example of this in the Bible. Go to Numbers chapter 22. Well, we're not going to take time. There's a, there's a few different examples. I'm just going to tell you. You can look them up. Numbers chapter 22, verse 31. We have the story of Balaam. We've told that story here before where Balaam, he's riding on his donkey. And Balaam cannot see what's in front of him. And what was in, anybody tell me what was in front of him? There was an angel... With a sword drawn. An angel that was going to kill him. And Balaam couldn't see it. But the dumb, that the Bible referred to in the New Testament as dumb, that dumb donkey was able to see it. And was able to tell that Balaam is going to die. And it tried to protect Balaam. Even when Balaam got mad at him and is smiting the donkey, that donkey knew what was going on. He was able to see it. Now, I don't know if you know, some people think animals can see that stuff. Did God just give Balaam 
Stonky, that ability then, or do they see it all the time? I don't know. It's one of those things you could talk about, but kind of interesting. But he saw it. He saw what was going on, and then the Bible says that finally, while Balaam's arguing with this donkey, which is pretty crazy, right there, the Bible says the Lord loosed the tongue of the donkey, so it was able to speak. God allowed in that ability to speak, and it's communicating with him. And then it says the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. He opened his eyes. Why? Were they closed before? No, they were open. He was seeing the physical, but he wasn't. But the part, they peeled back another layer, I guess you could say. That was able to see the spiritual. And then Balaam saw that angel. And he realized that that donkey saved his life. And he changed his attitude real quick. We see in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17, when Elisha is and his servant, the two of them are surrounded by an army. And the Elisha's servants said, what are we going to do? We're in trouble. And you know what Elisha prayed? He said, Lord, open his eyes. And he all of a sudden, the Lord opened his eyes and he looked around and he saw the fiery chariots and the army, an actual spiritual army that was surrounding him. And he saw that and all of a sudden he wasn't scared anymore. Because he saw what was really there and two, defeated a whole army. But it wasn't really two, was it? They had there was a there was a bunch of people involved in that battle. I think Gideon is three hundred, it wasn't just the three hundred. I think they were fighting with another army. And that's why they won that battle. When David and Goliath, was it just David? I don't think it was just David. I think he had somebody helping him, but it was spiritual, but yet it was completely real. And just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not real, but sometimes God would let people see it. And this is just my opinion. I have, I have no idea at all. But I personally believe that Elisha probably didn't see that army. I don't think he did. The Bible doesn't say Elisha saw it. But I think Elisha knew what was there. He didn't, Elisha didn't have to see it. Now his servant didn't have a whole lot of faith. And God was merciful and allowed him to see it. But I don't think Elisha needed to see what was there. He had enough faith. It, he, he, just, he knew it was there. He had that third level and that was good enough for him. But Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, verse 55, Stephen, when he was full of the Holy Ghost and he's being stoned, he's being martyred, the first martyr, the Bible says that he looked up into heaven and he saw Jesus standing on the right hand of the Father. He saw Him. Was he just having a hallucination? No. Jesus was there. And he saw Him. Now, nobody else saw him. When he heard Stephen say that, boy, they, they plugged their ears and that made him even more upset. But Stephen saw something that was really there, but it was something that was spiritual. So these are, and these are very unique situations in the Bible, but they were completely real. And, once, and so, back to kind of where we started with this. Why did Jesus have to heal that blind man? More than once. Why did it take two tries? Because the truth is, I believe God wants us to see. He wants us to have all three of those levels. I believe He wants us to have that. You know, He wants us to be able to see physically. He wants us to be able to have common sense. He wants us to have faith. He wants all those things for us. But yet, does everybody have it? And the answer to that is no, not everybody does. And why is that? Well, first of all, I believe for the same reason maybe this blind man, it took a little while for him. Sometimes it's because 
Maybe of an unwillingness. You know, there's many gifts that Jesus wants to give, but we have to be willing to accept them. You know, sometimes we think what we don't know, it won't hurt us. I don't, I don't want to know what's out there. I don't want to know what's right. Why don't, why don't people want to know things? It's simply because with knowledge comes accountability, doesn't it? With knowledge comes accountability. Why didn't God you know, judge you know, David and uh, Solomon and these guys and, you know, for having all these wives and Jacob? They didn't know the command hadn't been given yet. We do know. Okay? We, we understand these things. There were things that there, in the Old Testament they didn't know. God hadn't told them yet. The law had not been given yet. But now we know with knowledge comes accountability. When God gives us an ability, He expects us to do something with it. If, when you, if, if you can see, okay, you know, there's going to be more expected from you than a, bl- a physically blind person. If, you have, if uh, God's given you common sense, if He's given you faith, God's going to expect some things from you. But some people, they're so lazy, I think they prefer the disability. I really do. I think they just, they don't want to, they just, they, they don't want that accountability. I mean, I've told you about, before I talked to a girl in the detention home one time, you know, I, I was trying to tell her, you know, tell her about salvation, tell her how she needed to get saved and needed to trust Christ. And, and I, I kind of, what I told her is, I said, listen, I said, you either choose Christ or you choose heaven or you choose hell. She's like, well, well I, you know, she's like, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to say. So, so you're choosing hell. You want hell? Well, no, I, I don't want that. So, oh, so you want heaven then? Oh, no, I, I just, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> and, I, and I told her, I said, sorry, um, you know the truth. To choose, to choose nothing is to choose hell. And it's like, so it's like you're making a choice. So, just tell me. Choosing hell, right? Well, no, <laughs> she, she just kept wanting to pick nothing. You can't do that. You cannot do that. We all, we all have to make, we all have to make a choice. Um, and, but people, they, they don't, they, they rather have the disability. They don't want to see anything. They don't want any accountability. Uh, I'm getting my notes all mixed up here. But then, uh, so, I don't know what was going on in that blind man's mind, but I think this may have been one of the reasons it took Jesus two times to heal him, and this was because of unbelief. Maybe he didn't believe. Maybe when he started seeing a little more than he did before, when he saw men as trees walking, maybe that kind of triggered something. He thought, maybe there is something to this man. Maybe he can help me. Maybe it was just unbelief. You know, God is all-powerful, but... God chooses to show us His power. 1 Corinthians 1, 27. Turn over there. 1 Corinthians 1, 27. Slow finding the Scriptures today. It says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the the things which are mighty. God uses things on purpose to show us His power. He uses foolish things. He uses things that you wouldn't think God would use. He uses people that you wouldn't think God would use. This is His way of showing us His power. This is His way of trying to help us to see uh, you know, what's really there. To help us 
unbelief. We have no excuse for unbelief, but yet we're like that all the time. And the truth is, our lack of faith, it can hinder the power of God. Matthew chapter 13, verse 54. Matthew chapter 13, verse 54. I'm going all over the place here. But I want to show you these Scriptures. It says, And when He was coming to His own country, He taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him, but Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Now, when Jesus was there in Nazareth, and when he was there in his own hometown, did he all of a sudden just get a power drain? Is that what happened? Did he just all of a sudden lose some of his abilities? And did he lose some of his godness? If you want to call that a word, I guess. Absolutely not. God... Our, our lack of faith, though, it can hinder the power of God. One of the things Jesus he would always preach and he would teach before performing miracles. You ever wonder why that is? Why didn't he just go and perform miracles? Why did he always preach and teach before? Why did he all he would often quote Old Testament scripture to him? You know, he would uh, you know he would preach his own words to him. We have things like the Sermon on the Mount. And many times Jesus would go somewhere and he would preach. And then after that, he would perform miracles. Anybody think of what the point of that was? Yes? Give the glory to God instead of himself? No, that's not... I don't think that... No, probably not. That could... A little bit to that. But here's why. For We see in the Bible that for him to be able to perform a miracle, there had to be faith. Well... Before, so he can't do the miracles first. He's got to preach to them first. He's got to speak to them first. He's got to give them the scriptures first. And when those people would believe and have faith, then he can do the miracles. And but when he was in Nazareth, he preached and he teached just like he did everywhere, everywhere else. But these people, they couldn't see past the fact that, wait a minute, we saw him growing up as a little kid. We know his family. He's not from any great family. That's the carpenter's son. Okay, he's not. This can't be the Messiah. Well, we know his brothers and his sisters. You know, his brothers and sisters played at our house. There's nothing special about them. They had no faith, and he couldn't do many works there because of their unbelief. We've got to believe, and then that's when the miracle comes. We have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Before he can perform the miracle of salvation on somebody, they've got to believe. Well, to believe, they have to have faith. And so we see there, our lack of faith, it can hinder the power of God. And when this takes place, when we don't believe like we're supposed to, when we don't have faith, who is it that loses? Well, it's not God. It's us that loses out. I wonder how many crippled and sick and blind were there in Nazareth that could have been healed had they just had a little bit of faith. But they didn't. They, they, cho- they chose not to. That unbelief. 
And I personally believe that's what was going on with that blind man. He just really didn't believe. And so Jesus just didn't really quite heal him. He was close, but not there. And after that, when all of a sudden the man believed, then Jesus was able to heal him. And the truth is, I believe one of the reasons that we miss out on some of the greatest blessings, the reason we miss out on seeing some of the greatest prayers answered, is we just, it's that unbelief. That lack of that third level, that lack of faith, it gets us in trouble. And the truth is, I believe if a person has the first three levels of eyesight, that the truth is, they really don't need the fourth level. Now listen, I'm going to admit, I wouldn't care if I had that ability. If I, if the Lord gave me that opportunity. Now the truth is, if some of us saw what was around us, it might freak us out quite a bit. If we did get to see it, we might change our minds real quick. I wish I hadn't seen that. I, I don't know. Me, I'll take my chances. <laughs> so if the Lord, if the Lord, does, you know, given that, that'd be great. But the truth is, if you really have that third level, if you really have faith, you don't need to see the fourth level. I don't have to see the angels. I don't have to see the demons. I don't have to see Jesus in the flesh. I don't have to have those things. I don't have to if I really have the third level. I'm not saying that God will or will not ever give you that ability. I'm not going to say I wouldn't be excited if He did give me an opportunity to see what was going on. But the truth is, I don't really need it. And neither do you. And our prayer and our desire is that the Lord will just open our eyes in these, in these areas. We'll have, that we can have common sense. That we can have faith. And if we can start seeing things for as they really are, it will help us to have the wisdom to start recognizing the real enemy. Because I'm telling you right now, that we, it's, it's, we've got enemies all over the place. We, there's people, we want to see them get saved, but we're fighting an enemy. And if we're not careful, we'll get focused on the flesh and blood. Maybe we'll get focused on the liberal churches. We'll get focused on, on, on people all the time. We need to get focused on what's really going on and who the real enemy is. We've got, we've got to pay attention to that. We've got, to, we've, got to, we've got to stay focused on that. We've got to ask the Lord to help us recognize what it is. Sometimes the problem might be a lack of the power of God on our own lives. Well, if that's the case, well, I can do something about that. I can't do, I can't do anything about what other churches are doing. I can't do anything about what another individual is doing. I can't do that, but I can do something about what I'm doing. And if I need to ask the Lord, hey, Lord, show me. I want to know what's standing in the way. And I want to defeat that enemy. If that enemy is me, let it be me. If it's a, whatever, if it's a spiritual enemy, Lord, help me to see what it is. Help me to see where it's at so I can, so I can attack it and I can go after it and I, can, and I can have the victory. But boy, we do. We let that flesh and blood distract us. And we do. We, we miss out all the time. I mean, it's just amazing. In churches, the amount of bitterness and even hatred that can go on amongst brothers and sisters in Christ. How does that happen? We're looking, looking in the wrong place for an enemy. And you know, it's just our human nature. We just naturally, we, we love fighting, don't we? Well, let's, let's fight with the right people. You know, in America, you know, we, it's like, you know, they're always talking about all the racism and things that are going on. 
You know, we got all this racism in America. And, you know, especially, you know, the white against the blacks. And, you know, you'll have a white person shoot a black person. And it's this huge deal. But yet, black people shoot each other all the time. Most of the gang violence is blacks against black. Nobody talks about that. Nobody thinks. The truth is, we'll fight with whoever we can. Remember what Brother Weaver said when he was in Scotland? You know, they all claimed that they weren't racist. Well, that's because they were... For, for years, they were all white over there. And so you know what they did? They fought with each other. <laughs> and that, that's, just, that's, what, that's what they do. And in churches, we do the same thing. We fight with each other. In prisons, you know, they, you know, they're, they're always talking about, you know, there's all the racial division in there and they're always having these race wars and things in there. But you know what? If they had a white prison and a black prison, they would group up somehow in there and fight with each other. That's a human nature thing to just try to make groups and fight with people. When it comes to skin color, it's just a little easier to recognize, you know, who you're supposed to be against. <laughs> but when, it, but in church, I'm telling you right now, the enemy should never be anybody we can see in here. The enemy, and the truth is, even out in the world, the enemy it is a spiritual enemy. And I think if we would get focused on that enemy, I think it would really help unite a church and really. Be exciting. You know, we, we experienced a little bit of unity in America after 9-11. Everybody wanted to go after the Muslims. You know, we were we were all we were all united. We want we wanted to go we wanted to go get Muslims. And you know there wasn't a whole lot of you know Democrat against Republican and white against black during that time. It was everybody against the Muslims. We had we had a, an enemy we were united against for a little while. And I'm, and, but at the same time, I'm not even saying that that's what we need in America for everybody to hate Muslims. But what we do need in church right now and in the world is everybody hating the devil. And focus on how we can go after them and how we can get the victory over them. And I can promise you right now that we're talking about spiritual warfare. okay? And Satan's going to fight. And you know one of the things he's probably going to do? He's going to get you, he's going to try to use flesh and blood around here somehow. He's going to get you fighting with your neighbor. He's going to probably get you trying to fight with somebody else in the church. Don't fall for it. Do not fall for it. I might be somebody at work tomorrow. I don't know where it's going to be. I don't know how it's going to happen. But he's going to try to get you mad at flesh and blood because the last thing he wants is you're getting mad at him. You resist the devil and he will flee from you. He wants to stay in the shadows don't fall for it. Let's get focused on who our real enemy is. So with that, let's stand together. Heads bowed, eyes closed.